Let's take a look at buy lows, sell highs, fantasy basketball, trades, all that stuff. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I really hate those videos that deliberately make a mistake just so people comment and it boosts the algorithm. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Thank you for making Lockdown Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Be a double banger. Hit the thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. Like, subscribe, bells, all that stuff. It all goes a long way into helping the show. So what we're going to talk about here is we're going to be looking at how we can get um, value or how we appreciate what our players are doing or not doing at the moment and what that means. Now, that's a long-winded way of me saying buy low and sell high in fantasy trades, but as you're well aware, right, I have to explain this all the time because we always have different people watching. A buy low trade does not mean you have to go and get that player. You don't. If you can get him at a good deal because the other person's panicking, you do it. If a sell high player does not mean that you absolutely just must dump this guy. You can absolutely, and a lot of the times it's the right answer, just write it out. Just enjoy the production you're getting, unless somebody really buys that it's going to hold. If your team is riddled with buy low players, it's actually a good thing. Because as you'll see, through the weeks and weeks we've done this show, the success rate of all those guys being better and significantly better is pretty high. Now, conversely, if your team is filled with sell high players, well... That doesn't always work out the best. You will see a pretty significant drop in production for a lot of those players. So the point of buy low, sell highs, my league just doesn't do trades, mate. We're never going to do that. No experienced player is going to have any idea about doing those trades. They just won't do it. Mate, they know. They know. Cool. Good for you. That is awesome. Um, I love that for you. Well done in your leagues. You uh, you must be very popular amongst your friends. You, you must be a very cool guy. That's not what this is about, right? If you can pull off the trades, giggity, you do it. But it's more of just about what's actually happening. In the league, how are these players trending? Before we all get our hands lubed up, before we get the Danish backhand, the Turkish grip, whatever it is we're looking at, is this stuff real? Before we start pounding down on someone, telling them how trash they are, well, is it going to improve? That's what a lot of this is about. It's about trends. It's about how things move and push forward and go up and go back and overreactive comments and uh, all that sort of thing. And if you get a trade out of it, W to you. It's not about buy low, sell high trades, as stupid as it sounds. It's not about trades. It is, but it's also not. It's about understanding the valuation of players, understanding the level of patience, reducing the level of panic, and getting the ebbs and flows of an NBA season. I think that is, I think that's probably a, uh, a, that's probably a, a decent way of explaining it. So let's look at how we did two weeks ago. How we go. There were 10 of them. Did we hit him? Well, we hit most of them. Michael Porter Jr. was one of the buy lows in that one. He was 160th. He's 101st since then. W. Still can improve from that. Bradley Beal was 137th. He's 31st. Whew. Big one. Tyler Hero did not work. 
He was 113th, and he's 122nd since then. I would venture to say, and I'm not putting him on the buy-low show today, that he still is a buy-low, and that is going to jump up, especially with the injuries to Richardson, to Hero, and the absence of Butler. That should step up. The headmaster, not good for Jamal Murray. I thought he would step up, but he's gotten worse. He was 66th. He's gone to 84th. He's dealing with tibial inflammation. I'm not sure he plays until after the All-Star break now that they've listed him doubtful for their next game. Not ideal. I still There is a buy-low on that 84 for sure, but those two did not work out. And then Austin Reeves did. He was 124th. D'Angelo Russell didn't get traded, yet Austin Reeves is now up to 50th. The addition of Spencer Dinwiddie, I guess, complicates it slightly, but I think we're okay. I think we're okay with Reeves. He's settling in. He looks more comfortable, and there's going to be a lot of those natural ebbs and flows. In terms of the sell highs, well, um, we had uh, Luka Doncic. He was uh, first, and I said that I would sell high on him. Since then, he has been second. Is that a win? No, but also yes, because part of the reason that I was telling you why he was a sell high was A, he is performing at the most insane level you will ever see, and he was so far ahead of everyone else. So dropping to second is actually important from first to second, but it was always about get yourself a Shea, get a Jokic, get somebody because he has a two-game playoff week. That is what has always been about Doncic. So you'll, you'll hear me say, you can go look at my videos where it's go, hey, is Luca a bust? Yes, I said that to try and draw people through the algorithm. And then I explained, I just won't pick him in the top four. That is what I said. And that is what I will always say. And if you could trade him for another top four player. Now, obviously, if you trade him for Embiid, it did not work out at all because Embiid blew his knee out like a week later. The thing with him is, it's a, well, let's see what happens when we get to that week in the playoffs where they've got two games and Doncic is the 60th best player that week. Like, is was that worth passing over one of the other top three or four players for? My answer remains no. It wasn't. So, am I going to claim that as a win? No, because we don't get the result of it. But also, he did, he's not first anymore. He's second. Small win. Not really. Brogdon was 34th. This was the most obvious one of all time. I, I don't know how many times I've said sell for top 100. Just get rid of him. Not only is he injured now with an elbow issue, and I'm trying to dig in whether um, he's actually going to play again this season. I haven't found that out yet. Actually, I might go and check that. All right, so I did find out because... You know, I have some people who I talk to in Portland about this stuff through the organization and information there. And they reached out to me and said, hey, look, the Brogdon injury is real. It is real because this is the injury that he suffered in the playoffs. This is the injury that he uh, that nixed the trade to the Clippers on the failed uh, medical situation. And they said, look, the injury is real. And I said, look, that's cool. Look, I, I understand that. But is he actually going to come back? And the understanding is, is yes, he will. Probably won't stay the whole season, but they won't. They don't want to be dreadful for a two full months. This is what we've always said with most of these teams. But he said, look, the last ten days. I think we extend that to the last eighteen days. Is my guess, and that's a usual sort of time frame. The last eighteen days to twenty days is where things start to really go awry. And he's like, I don't think he'll play through that period of time. So we do. He is. There is an expectation that Brogdon does return from this elbow injury and then doesn't last the season. And that's going to be the case with a lot of these guys, whether it's Aiton, whether it's Grant, whether it's guys in Charlotte, whether it's guys in San Antonio, whether it's guys in Washington, that is what will happen over the final 14 to 20 days of the season. And that's the info we got on Brogdon. But as a sell high, 34th to 191st, one of the biggest W's ever. John Kaminga was a fairly obvious one as well. He was 13th, 90th since then. There was just so much that he was doing that was not real at all. And psychology is a big part of fantasy and about trading because when Kaminga gets rolling, they love it. Someone who scores a lot, people love. Someone who does it athletically, they love. Throws down a dunk, they love it. People love those players. So when he's rolling, it's like, well, Josh, you just underrated him the whole time. And yeah, I probably did. But did I underrate him to the right extent? I'm not sure. 
He's actually fallen significantly off because a lot of the counting stats have fallen back a little bit and the percentages have fallen off a little bit as well. And yeah, 90th. So that there was a huge sell high opportunity there. The rabbit hunter, Alex Caruso. I thought it was a sell high. He was 55th. He's moved to 65th. So I guess technically it was. And now he's hurt his toe again. We hope that's nothing serious. So that's, I'll claim that as a, I won't claim it as a win. It's, it's sort of uh, neutral. I do think that that will get worse though. And Trey Jones, 62nd to 117th. So I'd say that on the buy low sell high from week 15, not the strongest week. Not bad, but not the strongest week, especially the Hero and Murray ones. And you've got the Doncic one, which is still to be determined, and the Caruso one, which is a, a soft, soft uh, win. But again, we're not really going to count that one. So overall, I think the results there are pretty, pretty solid. Speaking of pretty solid, this episode is brought to you by the legends over at Hungry Root. Yes, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is one word, as they tell me here, and I've got to say it like Hungry Root. What is in, and then they write this copy, and I go, all right, what is in your Hungry Root box? It's a really good question. Hungry Root contains fresh food, fresh veggies, fresh meat, pantry staples, all those sort of things. But what is Hungry Root? What does it do? Well, Hungry Root enables you to save time. It adds value to your day-to-day life by saving time, by getting the ingredients sent to you, saving money instead of wasting money on groceries and things that go to go to waste. Well, we said waste twice. You get the things delivered to you that you need. It reduces food waste and you also get that discount of 40% off and free veggies for life. Hungry Root is your partner in healthy living. We all love a Hungry Root partner. It is the easiest way to eat fresh or get fresh, high quality groceries and simple healthy recipes delivered to your door. Hungry Root, recommends recipes and groceries based on your personal taste, but each order is fully customizable. You take their suggestions or you can choose anything you want. They might say, hey, we've got an eggplant for you. And you go, all right, I actually don't feel like eggplant. Can you chuck some peaches in there? I want to make a nice peach sauce or peach salad. You go, okay, that sounds good. But they could also chuck in healthy snacks. They can give you the recipes that you need as well. It saves hours planning, shopping, and cooking. Hungry Root delivers the food that you love. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked On NBA channel watchers and listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That is HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn. Don't forget to use the link so that they know that we did send you. Hungry Root, get rooted. All right, let's go to the bylows. Let's talk about who we're going to talk about, the five guys here. Hey, if you are watching this video, guess who are the five players? Now, you can see one on the uh, on the thumbnail for sure, but who are the five bylows? Who are the five sell highs? Comment them. Let's go to um, Armbar legend, Jalen Brown in Boston. Not a great run of things for Brown at the moment. He's 116th in the last two weeks in minus one. That's 117th in Yahoo um, totals. That's putrid. He's averaging 32 fantasy points, which puts him 83rd. He's averaging 17, 7, and 4. By the way, I don't think he should have been an all-star, but whatever. He made it. Uh, probably the fourth best Celtic this season. He's hitting 0.63s, one steal, hasn't had a block, shooting 54, 18% from three, and 69% from the line. So there are obvious now. I don't think he's had a particularly strong season. He's not a top 50 player this year. He's definitely not lived up to being drafted around the 40 spot. We knew there would be some sort of a hit with Pozingas arriving. And yeah, it's hurt him a lot. But 17.6%, like, come on, like, he's not a good shooter. We know this. He hit 34 last season from three, 36 the year before that. He's at 35 this season. 18 is ridiculous. And three-point percentage is the hidden category that impacts fantasy. It's hidden. You don't know about it. It's not displayed on fantasy sites. You don't know that how that impacts things. Triple banger it is. Like you, 
it loves to bang multiple times three-point percentage because it hits your field goal percentage. It hits your three-pointers made. It hits your scoring. In points leagues, you don't see anything with percentages. They don't pay, pay no factor in your Yahoo league. Oh, but actually, my league's a custom league. We've actually ch- Cool, that's fine. But three-point percentage isn't a, isn't a category. Even that, you don't say, well, I've, I've lost attempts for three-pointers attempted usually. So it's a hidden category that has an outsized influence. So when you're down hitting 18%, you're down at 0.6 makes per game, up down from two. Well, that hurts. He's also usage as well down. That can happen on a team like this, but he's down at 23%. He's been managing 28 this season. He was 31 last year. We thought there'd be a drop from last season. I've got him projected rest of season ROS at 27%. So there's room for that to improve significantly. I would be, at the moment, like, I wouldn't give up a top 50 player. Absolutely no chance. I'd be okay targeting a sending a top 80 sort of a player to get Jalen Brown. Understanding that he has struggled a lot, but there are a few key indicators there that suggest he's going to improve. Let's go to Cleveland. Let's go to Darius Garlo Garland. A lot of negativity around Garland this season and his fantasy production. So let's dig into it. What do we need to look at? Well, yeah, it's been bad. 113th recently. 113th over the last two weeks, 83rd on Yahoo. 144th in fantasy points. That's horrible. That's 24 points a game. What do his real-life numbers look like? 12.8 points. Yuck. 1.3 rebounds. Excuse me? 1.3. That's high. That's Nick Young. Uh, 5.9 assists. Not bad. 1.3 triples. Bad. 0.9 steals. Bad. Zero blocks. Also bad. Now, Garland is returning from the jaw issue. He's only averaging 26.5 minutes across this time, so we always we take that into, into consideration as well. But the shooting is, is a problem here too. 48 from the field. That's okay. That's pretty good, right? 28 from three is bad, 100% from the line. This man hit 46%, 46.2% from the field last season. He hit 46.2% from the field the year before. He's actually at 47.3 this season. So again, despite the um, complaints about his shooting, he's actually better than he was last season. But we're in a slump here. And we talk about the hidden impact of three-point percentage. Last season, he hit 41% from three. He's only at 33 this season. So despite his field goal percentage rising significantly because his twos have gone from 49 to 55, and that happens as you get older. You usually see your... That's not true. There is a, there's a, a curve. You get older, more experienced. You finish better. Your two-point selection's better. You're just better at shooting. Then you get older. Your legs go. You don't finish as well. Your two-pointers drop off. That's a pretty common curve uh, across players. But going from a... Really, really good three-point shooter, 38 and 41 the last two seasons, down to a below-par 33% guy is troubling. And now he's at 28% over the last eight games in 27 minutes. What this suggests to me, this isn't how averages work. I know this before all you statisticians throw your calculators at me. I say that being one of the biggest nerds and maths guys ever. Like That is how I lived my entire life as a, uh, as a high school student is uh, being the math guy. Like That's me, right? So... Yes, we're, not, we're all nerds. We love calculators. Oh, look at my job. That's what I do. But anyway, you're a nerd, so suck it up. Before you throw your calculators at me, I know that's not how averages work, but what it does suggest is there is a pretty sizable chance that Garlo is going to go on a run at some point. Don't know what it is. It might be literally from the next game, every game the rest of the season, where he goes 45% from three, the numbers bounce back, and he looks like a 36% shooter all season. That is totally possible. We've seen that with many of the sell high guys in this show. What well, this guy shot 46% from three for two months. What's going on? And then it drops off. So conversely, it can happen the other way, but we never think about it that way. We are in tune. And I know there's a lot of psychological mumbo jumbo here. We are in tune to look at what is just our brains. It's very hard to pass. What has just happened? Well, that happened and I saw it happen and it happened. So why won't it keep happening? And that's really not how most of this stuff, it doesn't work that way. 
So yeah, there's going to be some big bumps. His usage is also well down. 21% over the last two weeks. He's at 26 for the season. So we can talk about Donovan Mitchell ruining him. And yes, Donovan Mitchell has cut his ascendance. It's dropped his ceiling down. But the year before Mitchell played for this team, he had 27.5 usage. Last season, Mitchell's first season, he had 26.9. Usage unchanged. Minutes unchanged. Scoring unchanged. He was basically the exact same player. This season, usage, again, it's 26.9 last year versus 26.3. The same. It's a slight difference from two years ago, 27.5. Without Mitchell, he might have pushed to 30. But he's also well down over the last eight games, 21 usage. And that's why he's averaging 12 points. So get the three-point percentage up, might hit 40. Get your usage up to 26, and then we're absolutely steamrolling. If I could trade for Garland, I'd give up a top 75 player, understanding that he's been really about that mark all year. Yes, turnovers have been a problem. I know the guys that absolutely froth turnovers and, and how bad it is. He's at 3.3 for the season. Also, over the last 22 games, he's down to 2.9, the exact same number as last season, and he's at two a game over the last eight. So while it was outsized to start the year, that's done. That's that's not the thing there now. That's changed. He's not that guy anymore. And he's back to sort of career norms, thankfully. Let's... Let's get our 17 steps going. Let's delicately dance our way to talk about Alperen Shengun. He is 106th over the last two weeks, 112th on Yahoo totals, 65th in fantasy points, averaging 15.7, 8.8 rebounds, 4.5 assists, hitting 0.33s, yuck, 0.7 steals and 0.7 blocks. There's a little bit of the hidden value, isn't it? Where are your peripherals? Well, not, when I say peripherals, I know people get confused with this. I generally mean anything that's not scoring-based. Rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, those four categories. They're my peripherals. Anything that's not scoring. Points, threes, they count as like, they're your scoring stats. Your other four are your peripherals, then your, uh, your percentages. That's how I talk about it. Often if I say peripherals, people think just think steals and blocks. If I meant steals and blocks, of course, I would say stocks. No, I wouldn't because I'm not that person. I would say steals and blocks or defensive stats. Anyway, 52% from Shengun over the last two weeks, 40% from three, 72% from the line. And you'll look at all those and go, um, they're okay. Like they're fine. They're okay. Like, what's what are we complaining about here? So, why are his numbers down so low? Well, Shengun's a top forty player for the season, and there's some very clear things that need to improve. Fifty three percent from two over the last two weeks. The man's going at fifty eight for the year, fifty seven last season. So, I'm not here to believe that he's going to be that inefficient from two point land. That will improve. The usage is down too, under twenty two percent. Why? Well, they've just changed things up a little bit. Jalen Green has stepped up more. Jabari Smith's got some more shots. But again, I don't think that we're going to be having Shengun running at twenty one usage. Shengun last season ran at 21 usage. Shengun the year before ran at 21 usage. There's been a very clear change from Ima Yudoka to put more into Shengun's hands. Now, I'm not going to say I'm not a little worried that they're moving back to let's give inefficient legend Jalen Green uh, all the Jollibees he can take. Uh, that might happen. But I'm fairly confident we're not going to sit at 21 usage. Maybe it doesn't get back to 27. I've got him projected 26 usage rest of the season. But I think there's plenty, plenty, plenty of room for that stuff to improve. Also, he's at point, uh, 1.1 steals for the year. He's at 0.7 here. And steals are a huge indicator as well. I would be looking at a top 50 guy to get Shengun, whether it works or not. I don't know. You tell me. But I just think if I've got Shengun, I'm also understanding that there's going to be, uh, I believe, a pretty good turnaround coming soon. 
Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. It's what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, and exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. Now, unlike eBay Motors, I'm not sure I've ever referred to a car as a ride or die, but some people have some um, intimate relationships with the vehicles they use to transport them around. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, there's that term again, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. I wonder if on eBay Motors with these 122 million parts, do they have the things that like Exhibit was rolling out for Pimp My Ride? Do you have like the backseat DVD players? Have we got any velour for the, for the roof? Do we have the ability to put the um, starry, starry lights like on the roof of a Rolls Royce? I hope so, because we've got, with all the parts you want, the prices you need, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply and eBay guaranteed fit is only available to US customers. The rest of us suffering your jocks, I guess. All right. That's some uh, buy lows. We've got some more buy lows to talk about now. We're going to go to Indiana. Again, I use a lot of this stuff by statistical viewing who's underperforming, who's overperforming. I also use a psychological portion of the way I consume fantasy basketball. Me, completely unhealthy. All right, I do this stuff 10, 15, 10 hours. You're joking, Josh, 10 hours. I do it 15, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. 300 and let's say 50 days of the year and have 10 days off where I sit in the pool and drink beer until I die. Not die, but you know, get sunburnt in the sun. That's my life. So I see comments from everywhere. Is that unhealthy? Yeah, it is. It is unhealthy. But like that meme of Jesus standing of all the swords coming behind his back, I absorb all that to try and turn that into stuff to put that information out there. Am I comparing myself to Jesus? Only in the way that I don't really like to wear shoes. Anyway, this shows off the rails like to a ridiculous amount. What I'm saying is that when I hear, and one, there can be isolated comments. One person will say something. All right, okay, are you are you normal? Like, what are you talking about? Like the bloke of the day who said, "I'm ready to get rid of Victor Wembanyama. I can't deal with this. He only got one rebound. Cool." But when multiple people are like, "What's going on with Halliburton? What am I doing with Halliburton? I think I just need to get rid of him." Okay, there we go. There's your buy low. The siren's off. The buy low's on. The minutes are done. He's 34 now. He's back. Will he ping his hamstring again? I'm not sure. And the person who's frustrated is right to be frustrated. 87th over the last two weeks, 40th on Yahoo, 76 in fantasy points, averaging 14 points, 2.9 rebounds, 7.8 assists, two threes, 0.6 steals, and a block. 47 from the field, 37 from the line, 77, oh, sorry, 37 from three, and 77 from the line. So you go, okay, what stands out there? Well, one of the things we easily know with Halliburton is the minutes. 25.6 minutes over the last two weeks. He's at 32 for the season, which is brought down by this hamstring injury, which they handled perfectly. I've never seen a hamstring injured injury handled more perfectly than Tyrese's. One of the best handlings ever. In fact, you would say it is the perfect handling. That's what I've been told. So that 32 minutes for the season, that can easily get to 33. He played 34 minutes last game. So I would expect his actual season minute number to rise from here. It's going to go up. But why can't he hit free throws? Is there any reason for this? Over the last nine games, he's at 77 on 2.4 attempts. Now, he's never been a high attempt guy. One of the reasons I was a little bit down on him as a lead ball handler coming out of college. Obviously, hilariously wrong. But this guy's career free throw numbers, 86 as a rookie, 84 as a second year player, 87 last year, 
85 this season. Last seven games, 77. All right, cool. Well, I, you know what I'll trust? That he's not a 77% shooter. And while I say three-point percentage is a hidden category, free throw percentage is not hidden because it's in your face. You know it's there, but it does impact other stuff. It impacts your points. You go, instead of hitting, like, let's have a look at what his free throws made are. He's hitting 1.9 free throws a game over the last nine games. He's at 3.1 for the season. There's 1.2 extra points. So he had 1.2 extra points onto that 14.6. It becomes 15.8. We're already on our way. Then you play six, seven extra minutes. That bumps up as well. The minute stuff is just the obvious one. But again, people just get frustrated. And when you pair that with the bad free throws, when you pair that with the steals being down, when you pair that with his usage being slightly lower, people don't always read into it. There is Again, I, I take all of the information in. People have been saying to me, Man, I don't, I don't know. I can't deal with this. He's going to be on a minutes restriction all season. Is he? No. The answer is no, he's not. But some people think this. It's, again, reacting to what happened the last three games and extrapolating it out for 50. I would send a top 20 player to get Halliburton. I'm very confident he will be a top 15 guy at worst. Might be top five at best. There's a lot of room to improve here. There's a lot of room to improve me on this show because I'm doing it very slowly. The last buy low is another very, very strong, very good, very sexy man, Devin Booker. Not the sexiest man on this show. Can you predict who the sexiest man on the buy low sell high show is going to be? A lot of people think Devin Booker is one of the most attractive men in the NBA. I'm not I'm not really feeling it, Dev. Sorry. Look, you're fine. You're fine. You're not top level. One of the sexiest men in the NBA is on this show, and we'll get to him later. Devin Booker, 56th in minus one rankings. 85th on Yahoo. 41st in fantasy points. That's all like well and good, but it's not great. He's averaging 24.8 points with three rebounds and 5.6 assists. Well, that three rebounds is very low, so let's just start with that. That's really low. He's at 2.4 triples. Cool. He's at 0.8 steals. Cool. He's never been a big steals guy. He's at 0.4 blocks. Fine. They're, these are all normal numbers. This is what he's done. Last season, one steal, 0.3 blocks. The year before, 1.1 steals, 0.4 blocks. This season, 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks. That's all normal stuff. And then you go, well, okay. So what's actually going on, Josh? He's hitting 39% from three. Reasonable number. Yes, I agree. He's at 38 for the season. He was at 35 last year, 38 the year before that. These are all reasonable numbers. And this is where the confusion comes in because you go, 80% is pretty good from the free throw line, Josh. What are you talking about? That's not bad. It's not. It's league average. But when a lot of your appeal is built into being an 88, 89% shooter, which Booker is, and then you hit 80 of them, well, that's bad because that takes away a lot. If you want to use the same example as Halliburton, he is at 1.3 fewer free throws made per game the last two weeks versus the season. You had 1.3 points onto 24.8, then you're up to 26.1, and he averages 28 for the season. So we're already getting there. We're almost making that gap up straight away. And the usage is down from 30.7 to 26.2. Now, some of this season has been played without Durant, some of it has been played without Beal, but even in the games with Beal, he's not running entirely at that 26 mark. Recently, Beal has seen a few more shots. That is true. But is that the way that they're going to run things with Booker seeing this smaller usage role? I think what we've seen a lot with the Suns this season is that they they sort of change a little bit. Well, sometimes Durant will take a back seat. Sometimes Beal will take a back seat. At the moment, Booker's taking a slight back seat. And it seems to vary quite a bit. Like, Beal, you need a little bit of a push here. You'll bump up. So when we see somebody like Beal, which we did two weeks ago, we hit massively on that, dropping down in their usage. We did it with Durant earlier in the season. And we're going to do it now with Booker while the usage has dropped back down. Like, where does he... Um, like, if I look at the the minutes, the Booker and Beal have played 625 minutes on the court together and Booker's usage is 29.3 in those minutes. So, yeah, when he's down at 
26 over the last two weeks, it's not just because Beal is there. It's just a change in the ebb and flow of the way that the game has has played out. And if I look at even the minutes compared, when they all play together, Durant, Beal, and Booker, that's 445 minutes or whatever it is. Booker, 28 usage. Durant, 23. Beal, 20. So this number is low. And it is going to boomerang itself back up. And I'd be happy to send a top 25 player to get Booker. Even though he is struggling like this, I think we're going to have that hot run where the usage pops back up, the free throws pop back up, the rebounds pop back up, and Bob's your uncle. Let's go into some bylows. Oh, actually, we've done bylows. Let's talk sell highs. Is this the sexy man that I was talking about on a sell high? No, because it's Chet Holmgren. Chesterfield is 14th over the last two weeks. He's 14th on Yahoo. He's 23rd on Fantasy Points. He has been on this show before as a huge sell high earlier in the season. Uh, I believe he might have actually been on it multiple times. Let's have a look. No, he's been on... Actually, he's on as a buy low earlier in the season. And that worked out massively. He went from 87th to 35th. And now he's turned it around, elevated way up, and he's a sell high. That's how it works. 17.5 points, 8 rebounds, 2.5 assists. 2.73 is 1.3 steals and three blocks. And there, there, I gave it away right there. Look at those three pointers 2.7 per game. So, how's that happening? 56 from the field, 52 from three, and 72 from the line. 52% from three. He's at 39% from the season from three. And that's because he's had two stretches where he's hit 50%. So, he's, I don't even think 39% is a real reflection of who he is. I think 37 is probably more real. But he has these hot streaks where he just bangs in everything. It pumps everything up. And now he's also combined that with a basic doubling of his steal rate. He's at 0.7 for the season. He's at 1.3 over the last six games. He's moved his blocks from 2.6 to 3 as well. So he's hitting every three. He's doubling his steals. He's adding an extra half a block a game. And he's now a top 15 player. If I could get a top 25 player back for Chesterfield in a trade, I would do it. Now, I would say it's fairly clear that he is not going to be the rookie of the year at this point. Maybe he will. I think Victor's going to get that pretty easily at this stage. But he is putting together a nice little resurgence. Unfortunately for him, it's not going to hold. It just is not going to hold. He will be a top 50 player rest of the season. No question. None. He will be awesome for many, many years to come. But there's a lot of stuff here that's just not going to hold. Now, it is time for the sexiest man on this list. The man with the most beautiful eyes in the NBA. It's Daniel Gafford. So why is Daniel Gafford on this list? Josh, you're an idiot because three weeks ago, you had Daniel Gafford on the sell high list and that was the one you actually got wrong. You said he was a sell high and he actually improved three ranking spots and that is true, but I don't care. I'm going back to the well. And this is, again, I was massively into Gafford at draft season. He was the player that was the highest represented on any of my teams. I have still got him. I was one of the minority of people who suggested that he would start over Derek Lively for Dallas. I don't know the answer to that yet. We don't know that. Um, the majority, even including Luka Doncic, suggested that Gafford would come off the bench. Cool, right? So I'm massively into Gafford. But the reason I'm telling you is a sell high. A, is the numbers are out of control. But B, the overreactions to the game from yesterday are crazy. He had a huge game yesterday. He put up massive numbers. But now the, now the idea is that people, I don't think people watched Washington. He was really good in Washington. But now it's like, man, Luka's never had a player like this. Gafford's a beast. How dominate? Like, is he though? Like, he's all right. But can we calm down somewhat? I hate being in a position to talk down someone who I've always been more higher on than other people. I don't like being in that position. It's like the reverse Marvin Bagley. I think Gafford's good, but is he a beast? No. Is he a game changer? Like he's fine. But 
when these narratives come out, when you see him play with Luca, when you hear Kyle Kuzma come out and say, man, Gafford's got the easiest job in the world. All he's got to do is take these lobs from Luca. He's going to dominate. People are going to froth it. Understanding that Lively isn't back. I don't know that Gafford is going to start over Lively. I believe he should. I believe he will. But I don't know that. I don't know what Jason Mid is going to do. I don't know how they're going to run that. Are they going to play them 20 minutes a night and still squeeze Muxy Kleber in there? I don't know that either. But after you see that game, you see the national reaction to Gafford. This is where the psychology comes in. Now, let's tell you the numbers. 24th over the last two weeks. 21st on Yahoo, 40 fantasy points, 13 and a half real life points, 11 rebounds, 1.2 assists with 0.8 steals and three block skis. 61 from the field and 77 from the line. Now, to be fair to old mate Dan Gafford, there's actually some room for improvement in some of these numbers. 61 from the field is actually really low. There's really not a reason that he can't be a 70% guy playing with Luca. That is true. He's at 68 for the season. He was at 73 from the field last season in Washington. He can do that. He's just a little bit down for whatever reason over these last six games. That is true. That can improve. But the blocks, man. Like, he averaged 1.3 blocks per game last season. Actually, let's just translate that to per 36. He was at 2.2 per 36 last season. This season, he's at 3 per 36. The last six games, he's at 4.2. So we're talking about basically doubling his block rate from last year. And while he's been very good, I'm not sure that that holds. That three blocks, holding at three blocks, is hard. Going back to 2.1 is a drop of 33%. It's a big drop. The other thing is, is Daniel Gafford, one of the biggest criticisms has been not that good of a rebounder. Rightfully so. Last season, 9.7 per 36. The year before, 10.1. The year before, 10.5. The, this year, 11.7, 11.3. All right, bit of an improvement. The last six games, 15.7. Is he going to get more rebound opportunities in Dallas? Are they going to brick more shots than playing with Jordan Poole? Not sure about that. The rebounds are just way up. The blocks are way up. We don't, don't know if Derek Lively is going to be back. Sorry, we don't know how Lively impacts him. And Gafford still only played 24 minutes last game with zero fouls. I would, I would play him more, but I don't know that that's going to happen. If I could get a top 50 player back, or a top 60 guy, top 50 probably, I've, I've written top 60 there, I'm thinking top 50, I would do it. He's been great. But people are now like, man, I knew it. I knew he was going to kill it. I'm so glad I held after the deadline. So now, but I don't think a lot of them have realized that the the query we had was what happens for Lively because he's not there. So see what you can turn. You might even be able to turn to something better than top 60. Maybe it's top 40. You might be able to do it because people are just like, well, we saw the big game against Washington, mind you, and, and Marvin Bagley. Like, come on. Turn that into profit, hopefully. And I love Daniel Gafford. I don't love Jeremy Grant. He's the next one on this list. 42nd over the last two weeks, 100, only 199th on Yahoo because he's had some games missed there and you know the totals are a big thing on Yahoo. He's 19th in fantasy points, averaging 30 points a game, 5.3 rebounds and 4.7 assists. Undoubtedly unbelievable. But a man averaging 30 and five, 35 and 5 basically and still can't be a top 40 player? Yeah, that's a little red flaggy, isn't it? 1.7 threes, 0.7 steals, not a single block. Okay, he's hitting 42% from three. He's turned himself into an unbelievable three-point shooter and I just keep waiting for it to drop and it hasn't. At some point, maybe it does, but I don't know. We've got to be convinced now that he's just actually really good. He's at 83 from the line and 47 from the field. So, okay, there's a lot happening here. Usage is through the roof, 31%. Why? Simons has been out. Brogdon's been out. Scoot's been out. Aiton's been out some of that time. So he's just getting a ton. He's at 26 for the season. I hate watching him play. I've said this a million times. 
but he's doing some good stuff. But those scoring numbers and the minutes, the minutes, he's averaging 41 minutes over the last three games. He's at 34 for the season. This stuff is just unlot likely to hold. 20 shots versus 16. And like I talked about with Brogdon earlier, I don't think there's any way that Jeremy Grant's playing the end of the year. And as guys sort of filter back in, the role is going to push back down, and I just don't see it for him. He's averaging under 22 points a game this season. He's at 30 over the last three games in 41 minutes. I'm not sure that he's a top 100 guy rest of season because of the low assists, low steals, low blocks, below average field goals, below average three-pointers, even though his percentage is good. Huge sell-hide moment. If I could get a top 70 player back, I would do that. I just have no faith in A, him being available, or B, continuing the usage, the scoring, the minutes, even the three-point percentage to a degree. Even though I do admit that maybe he just is a good three-point shooter. Let's go to someone who is also pretty bad. It is the big sneeze, Precious Achua. Josh, he's not bad. Look how good he is. You told me he was terrible. Yes, I still believe that he's a really bad player, but the problem here is in New York, he is getting unbelievable opportunity. He's getting so many minutes. No Randall, no Ananobi, no Hartenstein, no Robinson. Now no DiVincenzo. Their bench consists of a bloke called Charlie Brown and Obi Toppin's worst brother, Jacob Toppin. And Thibodeau is not going to play those guys. So Achua is getting a ton. 53rd in minus one over the last two weeks. 27th on Yahoo. 64th in fantasy points. He is playing 41.3 minutes. And a guy playing 41 minutes, I would expect more than 13 and 10 with an assist, to be honest. He's hit 0.43s, 1.3 steals, 1.9 blocks. Now, to be honest with him, for you, well, to be honest about him, his defensive stats have never been like this, and he has been much, much better in that regard. His defensive stats, um, as you can see, 1.6 blocks per 36 last two weeks. He's at 1.3 this season. He was at 0.9 blocks per 36 last year. Like he's way better than he's been in in that in that sort of an area. But he's still only hitting 54% from the field as a center, 20% from three, and 73 from the line. And you know what's really interesting? If you go look at his EPM numbers, estimated plus minus, since he was traded, it's gotten worse. Like he's worse than he was in Toronto in terms of impact. He is a negative player. This is his worst season from by EPM compared, like since his rookie year. He's a negative two, 43rd percentile. He's a terrible mid-range shooter, a terrible three-point shooter, a bad rim finisher, a bad free throw shooter, a bad defender, a bad offensive player. His EPM is disgusting and it's gotten worse since being in New York, even though the role has been big. He is just doing all of this through pure need and necessity. And I do not think that he maintains 30 minutes a night when Hartenstein, Randall, Ananobi all return. Bogdanovich is there too. Like he might play 14 minutes a night, honestly. So if I could sneak any top 100 guy in, yes, you will lose in the short term because they have to play him a lot. But again, you're playing 41 minutes a night and you're still giving me 13 points? That's not very much. You're not really like one assist in 41 minutes? There are so many gigantic red flags that this guy, A, is not good. Josh, you're just a hater. I just don't think he's very good, right? Simple as that. He is, everything has had to come together in a neat little package for him to be this good and it's not going to hold. Top 100, please get it. Lose in the short term, gain in the long term. And lastly, we got another guy who's just getting pumped full of minutes. It's Denny Avdia in um, Washington. Now, Avdia has been very up and down with playing time this season. Like 
He was early in the year, 30 minutes a night, a lot of usage. Then it was 24 minutes a night. I go, what's going on? Then it was back to big minutes. Then the new coach took over and it was down to low minutes. And now it's like, cool, we're letting you do everything, which is what's happening. I don't know why. He's 66th on Yahoo, 140, sorry, and minus one, 142nd on Yahoo, 75th in fantasy points, averaging 19, 8, and 3 with 1.6 dribbles, 0.6 steals, 0.6 blocks. They're pretty low defensive numbers. Here's where it comes in, right? 61 from the field, 46 from three, and 60 from the line. You might say, well, the 60 from the line might improve. That That's true. He's a bad free throw shooter in general. 73 this season, 73 last season, 76 the year before that, 64 the year before that. He's not a good free throw shooter. Yes, it's a little bit low at the moment, but he's not that good. But he's also not that good of a three-point shooter. 46% from three over his last seven games. Now, he's improved a lot. He's at 39 this season. Last season, 29.7. The year before, 31.7. The year before, 31.5. Excuse me if I'm a little skeptical of him maintaining 39% shooting from three. He might. I'm not really there to do that, though. Like, I think he's a 38, 37 guy, and that's going to drop it a lot. And then he's also tied that in with just producing ridiculous two-point numbers. Last last season, 53 from two. The year before, 53 from two. As a rookie, guess what he shot from two? Yeah, also 53%. This season, 57 from two. An improvement. He has undoubtedly taken steps forward. And then he's gone over the last seven games. Cool, you're going to give me all the minutes. I'm just never going to miss again. 68% from two. Just so many unsustainable numbers here that will come crashing down. And given the way that he has been used all season, I imagine that when the shots don't fall, well, the only thing that's going to fall is his ass onto a bench seat. He's just not going to play these level of minutes. I would try and get a top 80 player back for him. But realistically, if I could get a top 100 guy back, I think I'd feel all right. There are just a lot of red flags with what he's doing in terms of shooting stuff. And that might impact his overall... um, playing time with a guy like Bilal and Kispert behind him who could easily come in and take that. It's been great, but it's just no way. Like, it's just not going to hold at this level. And that does bring us to the end of the Buy Low, Sell High show. Go and thumb it up and leave your comments. Go and hit the old subscribe notification bell buttons. Tell your friends. You can tell your enemies if you want. If you're in contact with them, that's fine. I'm not here to judge. We're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.